my first official day in the office was Monday morning, July 2nd, and my very first official guest was Coach Mike Long. And I was, and, and I, I really didn't know he was coming. And so I had, was, was in the process of getting, returning a vehicle up here to, to Enterprise, and as I was walking out, he was, was getting out of his vehicle, and Jared was with me, and uh, Coach came up and introduced himself, and I said, oh, Coach, I know who you are. If you could wait 10 minutes, and he graciously did that. And then we went into my office, and for I don't know how long, I got him to talking about Paris High basketball from 1985 to 1992. Those were pretty good years. And anyway, Coach, thank you. It's a good thing he didn't have an altar call or I would have come forward. <laughs> wow, power of prayer. And I understand that a number of us have been participating in this very good ministry for some time. And uh, I have been praying for uh, a young man for several days. And I'm just asking the Lord each day to protect this young man, to bless him with success this school year in his grades and his athletic endeavors and whatever else he might be uh, involved in. I'm praying for his teachers. And I am even praying for an opportunity to somehow meet him. And it might be at Brookshire's or wherever. But I feel like the Lord will answer that prayer. Uh, I have a freshman, so I'm going to get to pray for this young man for four more years. And that is, that is pretty cool. So coach, Thanks again for being with us uh, today. And since we're kind of talking about, about school things, this past Tuesday, this church fed about 2,000 teachers. <laughs> and that might be a preacher count. I think officially it was 425. And I want to publicly th thank Kim Hanley and her team that pulled this thing off. And so if you were up here uh, Tuesday and filled any kind of role, please stand. I, I want the church to recognize you. Please, please stand. Come on, Kim, come on, stand up. Look at this. Look at this team. We had young people. We had older people. Some of us greeted. Some of us uh, picked up trash. Jared was in charge of the lettuce that fell on the floor. And I had to get after him a couple of times because I saw some lettuce. But we had a wonderful time, and the, the, the teachers that visited with us Tuesday were so thankful and so appreciative. And uh, church, thank you uh, for participating this way and, again, kind of showing our support uh, for the educators of, of our community. Can't think of a, of a better ministry to be a part of. And this is pretty impressive too. Wow. However, I can still walk. I've got plenty of room back here. I could even walk up the steps on this side if I wanted. I, I could move over here. I could go up and down these steps. The pulpit is not completely sacked. So I don't know if, if I really have permission to do this or not, but I'm the preacher. All right? 
So we're extending this at least a week. And next Sunday, I don't want to be able to walk back here. And if it comes out to here, our worship leader and, and I will just stand down here. Okay? If we're going to sack the pulpit, let's really sack it. Okay? So one more week, at least, we have to fill the, the uh, complete stage. Now, I did kind of have permission to do this. Keith Bowman gave me permission, so take it up with Keith. Good stuff. Our word mission comes from the Latin word missio, which means the act of sending. And if you look up the word mission in your uh, dictionary, you'll find these three definitions. A mission is a group or committee of persons sent to a foreign country to conduct negotiations, establish relations, provide scientific and technical assistance, or the like. It is the business with which such a group is charged. A mission can also be this. Any important task or duty that is assigned, allotted, or self-imposed an important goal or purpose that is accomplished by strong conviction. And then finally, a mission can be a sending or being sent for some duty or purpose. I really like this quote. Someone has said, the church does not have a mission as much as the mission has a church. Our God is a God who sends forth. He is a sending God. And for those of us who wear the name of Jesus today, we have been sent. Isaiah's encounter with the Lord in Isaiah 6 provides a paradigm for our own understanding of God and our own sense of mission, our own sense of being sent forth. Isaiah 6 progresses from the centrality of God to Isaiah's confession of sin, to his cleansing of sin, and finally to his commission. That is the path through which Isaiah answers his call and is sent forth on his mission. For the past several weeks, we have been focusing upon the first point of our tripartite mission statement or vision statement, and that is connecting with God. We will continually seek a deeper connection with God through sincere worship and spiritual disciplines. We will reach out and make disciples that do the same. And of that brief description of what it means to connect with God, we have been especially emphasizing sincere worship. And, and to bring it even closer into focus, discussing ways that we might improve our assembly. That time that we gather every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock in which we bow and worship to our Creator. Now this lesson this morning builds on point four 
from our, our lesson two weeks ago, which was? It was go. I can't believe y'all forgot that. And from point five last week, which was allow the assembly to motivate you. All right? So if you have it in your Old Testament, turn to Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 1 through 8 in just a moment. While you turn there, let me give just a brief historical context in which Isaiah finds himself. The year is about 742 B.C. King Uzziah has died. Uzziah has reigned longer than any other king in the southern kingdom of Judah, 52 years, and God had blessed him. Though he did not take away the high places of worship, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. We read that in 2 Kings 15 and 2 Chronicles 26. And because of Uzziah's faithfulness, God had blessed the reign of Uzziah in a number of ways. The, the southern kingdom of Judah had enjoyed economic prosperity, military and political success. And God had really caused Judah to prosper. But if we went back to Isaiah chapter 1, and if we focused especially on verses 12 through 17, as is often the case, increased wealth had brought a diminished view of God so that people felt secure in their own sins as long as they performed the appropriate rituals. We, we couldn't be guilty of that, could we? I mean, when we look around and we think of the way God has blessed us as a nation, as, uh, the, the ways God has blessed us as a community, as a church, as individuals, that we might be tempted just to become a little complacent in our faithfulness and in our walk with the Lord. And might even ourselves think, as long as we're just kind of going through the, the motions, so to speak, if we're kind of clocking in and, and, and clocking out, are we pleasing God? Well, I believe this powerful passage from Isaiah chapter 6 can help us this morning. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. High and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then 
heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Powerful text. A powerful text from God on the importance of worship. The importance of what can happen to us individually and I believe collectively when we come together as the people of God to offer our words of praise to encounter our God in worship. And as we read through this text... I hope that you were impressed with with a number of things as as God reveals himself to Isaiah. Uh, Upon this revelation, as as Isaiah has this very uh, clear recognition of of God's holiness as he not only witnesses uh, the revelation of God, but as he hears words expressing God's holiness. And as he begins to experience this, and as this experience continues, he realizes his own sinfulness. He understands the power of being in the very presence of God, his creator, the giver of life, the one who sustains us as his people. But then he is blessed, and his perspective is is renewed as he experiences this forgiveness of his sins. And it's then that he is ready to respond to God's mission. So as we think about this example from uh, Isaiah, I want to suggest four things this morning that, that as we continue to seek with, to connect with God through sincere worship, that we approach each and every Sunday morning between the hour of 10 and and 11.15-ish, that 75 minutes or so that we are called together as God's people here uh, at Lamar Avenue, as we seek to enhance our worship together, to look back at what Isaiah experienced on this one occasion and then becomes arguably Israel's greatest prophet and how we might experience the same kind of thing from week to week as we encounter God together. Well, it begins with a vivid vision of God. Now, we're not going to experience the same kind of of visual, if you will, that Isaiah experienced. Uh, When you go home today, Google up Isaiah 6 and hit images. And you're going to see a number of artistic uh, impressions of what he experienced. And it's pretty mind-boggling. You know, I'm, I'm married to an artist, and so Lori can see these things. I have to see it before me. Uh, the seraphim and the cherubim and, and just the temple shaking, right? And, and even though we might not experience that revelation of God in the same way, I am still convinced that we can have our own vivid vision of God. 
And, and I really think this experience occurred to Isaiah because he was in a frame of mind, if you will. He was anticipating something, being in God's presence in the temple. And, and so again, maybe it begins for us as we are approaching this place that we gather. And, and through our singing as best we can, and through our giving, and through our communing, and through our reading of God's Word, as best we can, visualize some things about who our God is. It, it began for me last night. I spent the last couple of days in Oklahoma City, had to celebrate a couple of birthdays. Uh, Luke turned 31 on Thursday, and our grandson, Jet, turned 3 on Friday. And so we, I've been partying all weekend. Got, got away from Oklahoma City much later than I wanted, and I'm driving a truck. Great news, my boat is in Powderly. So if you have trouble getting a hold of me this week, you know where I am. But I got south of McAllister, and I, I was treated with this wonderful light show the rest of the way home. All right? In fact, Jared called me and I said, Jared, is it raining in Paris? And he says, no, but man, there is a lightning show. And I said, well, I'm watching it. And I watched it all the way to Powderly. And I got home just in time. I'm driving down one of those little county roads and the wind gets up and my 15-foot truck begins to shake a little bit. And I'm afraid my boat has fallen over on my mattress, a real mattress going to sleep good this week too, you know. And, and I, I mean, this, this nature, you know, just occurring and, and reminding me who is in control. And, and it's with the same anticipation we should approach every Sunday morning assembly and just see what happens as God reveals himself to us through his word and through our worshiping together. But if we have that vivid vision of God, there should also be a keen cognizance of our sin. That's what Isaiah experienced. A humbling of ourselves. The, the, the realization that we are in God's presence. I mean, Paul even says we are temples of God's Spirit. Now, how humbling is that? Wonderful blessing. A wonderful expression of God's grace to us. But also, that scares me a little bit. Because like Isaiah said, I, I'm a sinful human being. Right? And so as we come together, humbling ourselves before our Creator, remembering our sin. Remembering it was my sin that put my Savior on that cross. And it was your sin. I'm not the only one. No. That, that put Jesus on that cross. But God doesn't want us to stay there. And, and when we come together to worship, to also has, have just as Isaiah did, this emotional experience of God's grace. And, and Stephen, thank you for leading us in worship this morning. I, I, I mean, it's been very powerful uh, for me today. I, I couldn't wait. I, I nearly cut in front of Coach. 
I was ready to go this morning. You know, I mean, just feeling God's Spirit moving uh, within us. But our point today, number four, right? But, but because we've experienced this worship together, and through study and communing and giving and praising and fellowshipping together, remembering we go and, and remembering that we have worshiped to change us and to motivate us to leave this place, this welcoming willingness to be sent. The call is extended by God to Isaiah in the form of two questions, and the call is extended to us as well. Whom shall I send, God asks, and who will go for us? And just as Isaiah immediately volunteers with, here I am, send me, so should we. Why? Why? Because as I'm beginning to learn more and more in my life, how can you say no to God? How can you say no? It was in this worship encounter with God Almighty, holy, 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 that Isaiah's understanding of both God and his own mission was crystallized. And so we read the rest of Isaiah's life and we see his faithfulness. And we see the challenges that he extended to God's people. And we see the persecution and we see the suffering. And yet we see Isaiah's commitment. And it was all because of a worship experience in which he finds himself in the presence of God. Missiologist Howard Snyder, in his book, Global Good News, has written this. The gospel is global good news. Thinking globally, God acted locally. We have been called together, and we have assembled to encounter God through worship, experience God, express our love and devotion to God, and to be encouraged to serve God. God desires to act locally and beyond through us. So now is the point of decision. Are we? Are you? Am I willing to say, here I here I am, send me. Let's stand and sing.